0: Good morning, good morning, good morning. It's good to see you. I always love, because I sit up there in the front, and most of the time I do that, you might think it's because I come up here, but it's really so I don't get distracted. (laughs) Um, So it's always fun whenever I come up, and I'm like, oh my goodness, look at everybody. So I'm really glad that you're here. It's always a privilege, whether you're in-house or online, it's a privilege and a joy for me to be able to worship with you. Um, So two weeks ago, we jumped right back into Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus. And so if you've only somewhat recently begun worshiping with us, or if you know worshiping weekly wasn't a priority for you last year, you may find yourself scratching your head a little bit because everything in Ephesians 4 through 6 finds its foundation in chapters 1 through 3. So I would imagine that you all probably eat lunch every day. You may drive to work, you may drive to the gym. Maybe you fold laundry, do the dishes. Maybe you spend an hour watching TV or scrolling through social media every night before you go to bed. I want to encourage you to take some of that time every day while you're eating, while you're driving in the car, as you're doing chores around the house, in place of wasting time, filling your head and heart with things that don't nourish your heart and your soul, and listen to these sermons. It really matters, and it really does make a difference. You can find them all by going to 4 As Tyler says, it really is that easy. Um, or you could even subscribe to our YouTube or Spotify pages, and that makes it even easier because you'll just get notifications when something new pops up. So for the past two weeks, David has been walking us through these first three verses of chapter four, which Diane just read for us. That one little word, therefore, is what connects the entire first half of Ephesians with everything else from here on out. So the first three chapters were all about our belief. And we've learned that if we truly believe what, what we say we believe, then we will live accordingly. We will behave in step with our belief. So In light of all that I profess to believe as a Christian, everything that's up there in blue, therefore, I should live like it. Everything up there in in orange. Paul urges me to respond by walking in a manner worthy of my calling as a Christ follower. So what do you believe? What compels and drives you What does your life reveal about what you believe? Because if it's truly these things, there will be no mistaking it. If we were to ask 10 or 15 people who interact or know and see us best, what is it that she believes? What is it that makes him tick? What is my life all about? What do you think they would say? I mean, it's one thing for us to answer that question for ourselves, right? We would no doubt tell somebody what we want, our lives to be about but if we ask the ones around us they'll likely be able to tell us what it's really about because our lives reflect what matters most to us we live what we believe so when there's a discrepancy you know between what we say we believe and how we're actually living wisdom would compel us to figure out the reason for that gap and then close it right i mean we got to get to the bottom of that So you might say you believe that it's important to be a good steward of what God has entrusted to you, but your finances are a mess. So maybe you need to go to someone who can help you determine and then stick to a budget. You know, maybe you say that you believe in grace and forgiveness and reconciliation, but you have a slew of strained or broken relationships in your life. And so maybe you need to seek out some biblical counseling to help you navigate those relationships or those areas in your life that you feel stuck. Perhaps you just need to own that you haven't really given yourself to truly knowing and seeking God through his word and in prayer. And so your grounding in truth isn't all that solid. You're not really sure what you believe. Well, I would encourage you to find someone who can help you think through How best to tackle an intentional plan that will be conducive to you growing in your relationship with Christ this coming year. As Christ followers, we need to walk in a manner worthy of our calling. So I've been thinking a lot about that phrase that Paul uses to describe himself. A prisoner for the Lord. Paul was a literal prisoner of Rome under house arrest. But that's not at all how he sees himself. I mean, at one point, as a prisoner of Rome, he wrote to believers in Philippi, and he said, Now, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. How crazy is that, right? I mean, how many of us feel like we are prisoners? Maybe you feel like you're a prisoner to the pain or the disease in your physical body. How many of us feel like we're prisoners in jobs we hate or in families that are more dysfunctional than can be measured? How many of us feel like we're prisoners to mounting bills and overfilled calendars? How many of us feel like we're prisoners to anxiety or depression or ADHD or fill in the blank? How many of us feel like we're prisoners to the thing that happened to us however many years ago? Paul looked at his circumstances and I'll tell you what there was a lot of bad stuff that he endured. He writes more specifically about it in other letters. But from his perspective, it all served to advance the gospel. Paul never considered himself a victim or a prisoner of his circumstances. He was a prisoner for the Lord. God was sovereign over every last detail of his life. And as Paul trusted and obeyed, he knew that his circumstances were being providentially used by the Holy Spirit to sanctify him and to advance the kingdom of God. And that's what mattered most to him. The world will tell you otherwise. Your feelings and your desires may tell you otherwise. But the truth is that your ability and mine to faithfully trust and serve the Lord, to live what we say we believe is in no way, shape, or form dictated by the circumstances of our lives. Whether they were brought about by our own choices in, in sin or by someone else's. As believers, we are prisoners to no one, to nothing but Christ himself. Just like in Paul's life, God sovereignly rules over every detail of our lives. And he has promised us in his word that if we love him and we are called according to his purpose, then he will work all the things together. Even the awful stuff, the stuff we feel has taken us hostage. And he'll work it together for our good and for his glory. Do you believe that? Paul did. And let me tell you, Paul did not live a cushy, easy life. But he responded in faith. Paul believed. He behaved in step with what he believed. And he urges us likewise to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which we have been called if we are in Christ. And that's the key, being in Christ. If you are not in Christ, if if you've not yet received the gift of faith and placed your trust in him for the redemption and salvation of your soul, then what Paul talks about here is impossible for you. If that is you right now, then your next step is clear. Look, we all started out on that wide, dark path. Every single one of us. We were all born dead in our sin, but God can make us alive in Christ. That red drop of Christ's shed blood, that's it. It is all we need. It is a gift of grace through and through. And when we receive that gift of salvation, we are forgiven of our sin and we are gloriously plucked off of that dark, wide path and forever placed on that well-lit one, citizens of the kingdom of God, when we will finally see him face-to-face, glorified in his presence forever. I cannot wait. That is the best news I have ever heard, and it's available to you today. David, myself, Tyler, or any one of us, we would love to talk and pray with you after the service if you need and want to take that step before you walk out those doors this morning. Okay, so if we are in Christ, Paul urges us, walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. So recall with me that in chapter 2, Paul talked about how we used to walk. Of this world, following the plans of Satan, following the passions of our flesh, and carrying out the desires of our bodies and minds. We were literally the walking dead. But now, in Christ, we have a new walk. You know, Jack talked about this on January 1st. Tyler mentioned this morning, we used to be one way and now we're different. And Christ is right smack dab in the middle of that transformation. Our new walk is not carrying out the desires of our flesh. The new walk is not obeying our ever-changing passions. Our new walk is not following the ways of this world. In Christ, we have made an about face. And now... We are to walk worthy of the calling to which we have been called by him. And what does that walk look like? Well, it's what we've been talking about the past two weeks. It's a walk filled with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Easy. Eh, not so much, right? And so as I thought and prayed about how we might really just get our hearts and minds around this, I kept picturing one of these. It's a yoke. So I have a question. Do you promise to be perfectly honest with me and with each other? Because I'm going to ask for a show of hands. And I'll raise my hand too, I promise, if it applies to me. How many of you, when you see a picture of this, you kind of sort of feel like it's a bit confining or oppressive to even think about like uh, ugh, I do not want to be under one of those raise your hand if that's what you're feeling thinking me too me too which is why I'm super excited to be able to talk about it with you this morning. So, you see, during Jesus' ministry, there was a significant difference between what the Jews had been accustomed to hearing and seeing from their religious leaders and what Jesus was preaching. You know, the Jewish religious authorities, they were working hard, doing, doing, doing to earn and keep God's favor. And it was exhausting, not to mention impossible. It was a burden too heavy to carry. But Jesus came to lift that burden. He came that we might personally and deeply know and be known by God to find true and lasting freedom and joy and a life-giving relationship with the Father through Christ and out of that relationship then to be transformed But I need to clarify something. So one of the ways a yoke is used is to spread the load and double the power for the work to be done, right? That's not what we're talking about here. God does not need any one of us. The other purpose for a yoke is to train a young animal. That's what we're talking about. It's by knowing Christ, being yoked to him and walking with him day by day that we become more and more like him. And as we become more and more like him, we can't help but then do more and more the things he does and how he does them. That's why this yoke is ultimately such a beautiful and refreshing and hopeful image. Because let's be honest. To hear that we've got these behaviors to add to our overwhelming to-do lists, we've got to be more humble. We've got to be gentle. We've got to be patient. We've got to bear with one another in love. We've got to maintain the unity of spirit and the bond of peace. I mean, I can't even remember these things, let alone do them all. I am exhausted. But the thing is, even though it might sound like it, it's not about doing more. Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What makes Jesus' yoke easy and his burden light is that he already perfectly fulfilled the to do list. He carried the burden that we were meant to carry but never could because we were shackled with sin. His perfect obedience is applied or, or reckoned to us through faith. And when that happens, we are justified, put back in a right relationship with God. And in that moment of justification, the Holy Spirit comes to live in our hearts. And he begins and he continues day by day to mold us into the image of Christ. The life lived by faith is a much lighter yoke and a much easier burden to carry than the heavy and burdensome yoke of the self-righteous to-do list under which some of us are exhausting ourselves. So hold that thought. I'm going to hold it for us right over here, right? So let's remind ourselves of what Paul's been saying in these verses. So last week when David talked about our response, he flipped these five things upside down in reverse order that Paul lists them to help us see that ultimately it's the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace that is God's grand design and ultimate purpose. He is uniting all things in Christ through the church, but it all starts with humility. It's only as we're humble that we're able to be gentle and meek. And what enables us, that enables us to be patient, allowing us to bear with one another in love. But what lies at the core, the very center of this teaching is the power of the Holy Spirit to unite us. So who's still holding on to that thought from a minute ago? Do you remember what it was? What? Liars, all of you. It's being yoked to the Holy Spirit, right? But, but if Jesus isn't here anymore, how are we supposed to be yoked to him to help us do all these things? Well, do y'all know that it's actually a really good thing that he is no longer here in the flesh? He That's exactly what he told his disciples. He said that it was better if he left because he knew who would be coming in his place. God, the Holy Spirit. See, Jesus was a human being. He could only be in one place. He could only be yoked physically to one person at a time, right? But the Holy Spirit indwells every believer, and he is therefore personally with all of us, wherever we are, all the time. And this is different than God's omni or or everywhere presence. This is him living in us. Those who are not in Christ don't have that kind of Holy Spirit presence, But now, through faith, believers are yoked to Christ through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. He is always moving in the direction of glorifying in Christ and building up the church. Everything he does is to that end. Don't be distracted by the worship team. They're coming up at the right time. So that's what the Holy Spirit is about, glorifying Christ and building up his church. So if we are yoked to the Holy Spirit and he is training us up to be like Jesus, that's what sanctification is. If we're yoked to him, we don't move ahead of him. We don't lag behind, right? We stay right by his side in step with him. We walk nowhere. We come into no circumstance without him. And so he helps us navigate those moments when we're tempted to react in pride or entitlement. And he strengthens us to choose humility instead. When we're tempted to lose it and just go off on someone, right? The spirit holds us back because we're yoked to him. And he shows us a better way to respond with gentleness and patience if and when we do start pulling away from him, right, because we all do, it's called sin, right? When that happens, he helps us get back on the right path. He teaches us to love others as Christ has loved us. He helps us forgive and reconcile all the things because his desire is for unity and peace, for the glory of Jesus and the building up of his church. Over time, that's going to become our desire as well. Being yoked with the Holy Spirit captures really well that middle voice that David talked about last week, right? We certainly don't counsel the Holy Spirit, although all too often people are going around telling God what they want him to do, right? That's not how it works. Um, But it's also not that we just, he counsels me and I just sit back passive and unresponsive. That's not it. When I'm yoked to the Holy Spirit, I take counsel from him, and then I respond, right? He moves first, and with his strength, I move with him in obedience. That's the middle voice. And so we're going to sing a song that also captures this middle voice idea really well. And as we sing, I want you to think about how being yoked to Christ through the Holy Spirit makes it possible for us to be and do more than we could ever be or do without him. He moves first, he leads us, and then he strengthens us with his spirit to keep in step with him. So scary and so hard sometimes, he will not let us drown. He won't even leave us on our own, not ever. He is perfectly gentle. He's patient, he's strong, and he uses everything in this life to call us deeper, to make us more and more like Christ. So rather than being oppressive, being yoked to Jesus through the Holy Spirit is the best kind of freedom we could ever know. Filled with the Holy Spirit and strengthened with his power is what makes Jesus' yoke easy in his burden light, no matter where he leads us. And that's the really cool thing. It truly is an us thing. Right? If I'm yoked to the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is yoked to you and you and you and you, then he's going to be pulling us all in the same direction, right? In the direction of humility and gentleness and patience. Through him, we will learn to get over ourselves and we'll bear with one another in love. If and when we are truly yoked to him, how can we not maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. So what is my ultimate exhortation for you this morning? So this next slide, don't do it. It's going to tempt you to roll your eyes at me. But I'm telling you, this is the way. This is the plan. It's the only plan. This is where the Holy Spirit is headed. This is how... He is going to build up his church. This is how, as disciples, we will become more like Christ. And this is how we will make disciples. But here's the thing. You've heard us say it before, and I mentioned it a few minutes ago. This isn't about doing more in your life, more meetings, more programs, more stuff. This is about you living your life as ambassadors exactly where God has planted you in a manner worthy of the calling that you've received. So let's look at a day in the everyday, ordinary life of someone. Let's pretend it's Sally up there, okay? So she gets up at 6 a.m., she heads to the gym for a workout, she grabs coffee with Sue at 7.30, she breezes into her staff meeting at 9 o'clock, she has what she knows is going to be a pretty somewhat or a somewhat challenging conference call at 11, but she's looking forward to lunch at Cafe Colache, right, with the boss. Um, she gets her teeth cleaned at 1, she picks up the kids at 3, she slumps them to shock soccer practice by 4, she hopes somebody else has dinner for them by 6, oh wait, sorry, that's my life, sorry, no, that's no, right, okay she has devotions at 7:30, and her head hits the pillow by 10 but throughout that entire day she's on the lookout sally's praying for the people that she knows she's going to see at the gym and she's going to be looking for opportunities to engage with them to to see how she might encourage or pray for them more specifically when she meets with Sue, who has had a huge impact on her faith and her growth as a, as a Christian, she prays that their time together would be rich and Christ-exalting and that their fellowship would be used to sharpen and build each other up. On that conference call, she's able to recall some scripture that provides wisdom and insight on a significant decision facing her at her job, and she knows that her boss is a Christ follower, and so at lunch, she shares how grateful she is that they get to work together and for the way that she's able to apply her faith and what she reads in God's word to the decisions and conversations they have at work every day. She goes to the dentist and she takes some gas cards that she picked up a few days ago because she knows that he's taking lots of trips back and forth to Pittsburgh, caring for an aging mom. And so, or, and so she just thought that would be a great way to maybe bless him and relieve some of the financial burden. At soccer practice later that afternoon, she deliberately finds and sits down next to that mom that she's simply trying to build a relationship with in order to one day share the hope and love of Christ with her. For the time being, she's just trying to be a good friend. She spends time in God's Word and in prayer every day. Evenings happen to work best for her, right? Because she knows that without Him and without being in His Word and being filled with His Spirit, she can't do any of this. And she then goes to bed recounting in her mind all the ways God has been good to her, praising Him for His faithfulness. But don't forget, all throughout that day, she was contending with her own remaining sin, right? I mean, she really had to hold her tongue during that conference call and she was about to go off on that mom who can't seem to get it through a thick skull. You're not supposed to park there when you're picking up your kids at school, right? But okay, but she did hold her tongue and she didn't go off on that other mom because she's yoked to the Holy Spirit. And in those moments, he helped her take a deep breath, right? And to lean into his strength to be humble and gentle and patient. She did lose her cool at dinner with her kids, but she repented for that later, and she asked for their forgiveness as she read scripture and prayed with them before she tucked them into bed. That's it, y'all. No programs, no meetings, no checklists, just life lived in and through the power of the Holy Spirit for the glory of God in her everyday ordinary life. We aren't doing it alone, right? We get to do this together, sometimes literally, which is a really special time. But at the very least, we can know that when we walk out those doors, we are the church. We are fellow soldiers, all yoked to the Holy Spirit, heading out to our mission fields, being and making fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ in the tri-state region and beyond. We do that how? By simply taking our next steps toward him, day By day by day, together we walk in a manner worthy of the calling we have received. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we cannot do this in any way, shape, or form without you. So we thank you for sending your Holy Spirit to whom we can be yoked in order that we might live a life worthy of the calling to which we've been received. We ask you to help us do it day in and day out to the glory of God. Amen.